You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to GFR. Today's guest was confronted with this question, a question that you would think has an easy answer, but it's in our actions that really says what our answer is to this question, which is, do you want to live? Do you really, really want to live? And if so, what would you do to make sure that that happens? Well, Beth Davis, our guest today, was confronted with cancer, not once, not twice, but three times, stage four and that third time before she said, damn, I am not fighting for my life. I am not taking control of my health and my journey. Her purpose is characterized by helping other people live their purpose. She's been doing this for 20 years and she has had a treacherous road characterized by lots of denial. Denial about her marriage, denial about things going on in her business with her clients, with her team. And then ultimately, it showed up in her body, she believes, because of all this denial. She really believes in cancer as a teacher. And now her new purpose is to help people to, if if they are healthy, to stay healthy. She says it's much cheaper that way. (laughs) And if they do have a diagnosis... She is on a mission to help them take the steps necessary to get to the root cause, not just kill it with chemo. And uh, I'll tell you, y'all, she, <laughs> she takes the whole straight talk part of the GFR show to heart. So buckle up, take what she says as coming from a messenger, somebody who has truly been fighting for their life, and now she is fighting for your life too. Hear what she's saying with an open heart. I hope you let it in and let this person who has been known as the palm pilot for the soul of your business because her origin story has to do with hand analysis. You know what? It all comes down to purpose. And, you know, she's been featured in LA Times, Cosmopolitan. She's been doing this for 20 years and her journey is on purpose. She is here today to share it. And uh, you know what? Let's just get on with it, y'all. Beth Davis, I am so glad you're here. Oh my gosh, we're like doing like happy dance. And you're just up the road from me, literally. I'm in Orange County, you're in LA. And, uh, but we never see each other and we never talk, but we love each other dearly. And so Mm -hmm. what a, like a better excuse than- Right, this is great. This is great. 
welcome. It's a great way to connect. It really is. Thank you for being here and your willingness. Thank you for having me. Yay. Okay. So let's jump in. Um, what, what did your business and your life look like, like before what we call our GFR wormhole, like before the shit hit the fan, what did it, you know, what did it look like? How did you perceive it to be? And then you can like take us into, you know, where you're, you're the, the beginnings of your up level journey that felt like crap. <laughs> right. Well, I thought I had a really good marriage to start. I imagined I'd be with this person the rest of my life and the business was doing over a million a year. Um, I was helping raise my now ex's stepchildren and they had some bumps, but they seemed to be doing okay. Um, we had a lot of animals. We had a number of different properties. Like everything was busy and alive and overall seemed pretty good. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then it wasn't. And then little things started happening and people making comments to me, such as our estate attorney, I can't work with both of you. Well, why, Mr. Estate Attorney? Well, I'm not quite sure about your husband. He doesn't seem to be fully on board with sharing things with you. And it was like little comments from people about, uh, I think you and your husband have some things to work out. So people were tuning into something going on that I was at the time oblivious to hindsight of course is 2020 and I look back and it's like oh wow yeah there were some conversations that needed to be had long long before it reached that point when people have asked me why did you get divorced I don't have a good reason because I could give you a hundred and I could give you none the easiest thing I can say is there was a mismatch in values and there was a communication breakdown around expectations. Mm. What we thought the other person was doing or not doing or supposed to be doing or supposed to be not doing, it wasn't discussed. And I, up until that time, was a relatively trusting person. I took people at their word and I assumed my ex-husband was uh, being loyal and, you know, devoted, and he had a whole other life. Wow. And I still, to this day, do not know the extent of it, although I believe it was quite extensive. And I had no clue. I still have no clue. People are like, you must have known. I'm like, no. Because I wasn't a suspicious person. I wasn't checking his phone. I wasn't checking his computer. I never did that. I ever. Yeah. It never I occurred would. to me. Right. To do any of that, when I would go out of town, I just assumed he was with his friends. Like, no, he was doing other things and that I was not privy to. I, I was not included in the conversation. So that's his part of it. That's all I can say about him. And we've since made peace, if you will, just had a, not a long interchange, just a few emails, but basically me writing and saying, I'm really sorry for what I didn't communicate. I'm sorry that I took you for granted. I'm sorry for my part. And he wrote back and said, oh, don't put it all on yourself. I was no prince. I'm like, well, I am. Okay. So it's kind of <laughs> like, like, you don't have to blame yourself because, you know, I've taken a look at it too. That's one piece of the puzzle of the before was not a good marriage. It wasn't, you know, when people were making comments. And then in my business, I started having client problems. And then the clients were sort of in a similar mode, like, you know, so-and-so saying these things about you. And, 
And I'm like, well, who's the person? Oh, I can't say. And I don't have any patience with stuff like that. So I would say, well, well then it's not my problem. I mean, if they're not, they're not going to come talk to me directly, I don't really care. Well, I've since learned when people come and whisper things in your ear, you better do a little detective work, figure out what the heck's going on. I just figured out sour grapes or jealousy or whatever I thought it was. And it was indeed that there was a, a, a friend who's not a friend anymore who had joined the group that I was coaching. And she, I had known for maybe a decade before this group. And she'd been in another group we were in in our 20s that had fallen out in our 20s. And I didn't put two and two together. And I think she just started saying things about me, you know, making things up. And that created this dissension within the group. So I had some people that stayed in the group and then other people that mutinied in the group. And many years passed, most of the people came to me and made their amends. But at that point, I, I was over it. But basically, what the universe was saying was the people that you've surrounded yourself with aren't the people you think they are. And you can't really leave them to their own devices because they're trouble. They're troublemakers. You've surrounded yourself with a whole nest of drama. And Beth, what's the payoff in that? I mean, I didn't put it on them. I was the one letting these people into my life. What was the payoff in all this drama? And I think the payoff was I then didn't have to feel my feelings. Oh, wow. Great awareness. I didn't have to acknowledge I was unhappy, that I was not in a marriage that was sexually satisfying, that in fact, we had become roommates, that my business was making a lot of money and my husband was extracting money out of the accounts gleefully and I wasn't really tracking where it was going. Yeah, I was asleep at the wheel. So all that disruption around me, I really see as symbolic. It, it is not even about those people. It's not about my ex-husband. It's not about the clients. It was a mirroring of how turbulent I was feeling on the inside and was not acknowledging. I truly believe we live in a hologram and what we experience on the outside is information and what we feel on the inside is information. And the biggest thing I've learned is I'm responsible for my feelings and you're responsible for your feelings and I don't make you feel anything. You feel what you feel and you're responsible for what you feel. So if I say something that offends you, well, that's your feeling. You can come talk to me about it. I may have to even apologize, but I'm not responsible for your feelings. And so I was not taking responsibility for my dissatisfaction. I was not really in control of my life or my business. And then I also had some employee problems with people I had trusted. And then one of them forged my name. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, this is Mexican soap opera. And I love Mexican soap operas, but this has become a full-scale drama. And it made me realize, wow, I'm really not in touch with the passion inside of me. I'm not in touch with my own drama or my need for excitement. And so it was being created all around me. And when it all kind of fell out and you know, I got a divorce and then I didn't fight him in court. So I ended up paying like God knows how much in alimony, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he took one of the properties. So one of the properties I helped pay for, and, you know, so basically I got cleaned out and I, I got to work for the privilege of paying him off because I had the asset of my business. So I had to keep working in real time to pay off this marriage where I had raised his kids. Like there's no justice at all in how it played out. Even my own therapist is like, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> my <laughs> own therapist and she's not judgmental, you know, and she's feeling bad. I'm like, don't feel bad for me. Like I 
take responsibility. Like if I think about it too much, you know, my hair starts to fall out. The fact that I didn't have a backbone and I was more interested in him being proud of me, thinking I'm a good person. Oh, isn't it noble that she's slaving to pay this alimony? And all he felt was entitled to it. That's how he felt because the truth is all those years I was building my business, I didn't have to make a car payment. I didn't have to make a house payment. I didn't have to buy groceries. He paid for everything. And I'm pretty, he's a very tit for tat guy. And I'm sure I can put myself in his shoes. And his attitude is I essentially helped her build that business by providing her a space to build it. Right. And the resources for her to run her day-to-day life so she could put all her energy into that business. So now that we're parting, I'm taking my piece. I think it's a valid argument if you're just using logic. But I was looking at our relationship as an emotional exchange. Because, I, right. dude, I helped raise your kids who had a lot of problems. So that whole dynamic showed me that, you know, don't ask, don't get. And do not make assumptions about the agreements you've made with other people. You have to communicate what you think those agreements are and preferably put them in writing. I love and that it. was a huge aha for me. I'm writing these down and I hope our listeners are too. So don't ask, don't get, don't yep. make assumptions about agreements. And, and then you said something about making sure that you actually address when people come to you with things, even though you're kind of like, fuck them. Right. Like now you go, no, okay, this has come to me. I need Be to- Be curious. Be curious. Yeah, like what, what, what are you actually saying to me? Why are you bringing this to me? Why is the identity of the other party not known to me? Like what, what actually is going on here? Like I really want to, I'm clearly screwing up, but if you don't tell me how, I can't fix it. And I really, I'm not going to take responsibility for stuff I'm not aware of. That's in all my contracts now. Like coach is not responsible for things she's unaware of. You can't come back later and go, well, you didn't. I'm like, you never said anything. Yes. I've charged people's credit cards when they've just disappeared from a program and said to me three months later, well, I was sick. And I'm like, you could have told me that three months ago. So you're going to pay for three months. Yeah. You can't do that. I'm like, oh, yes, I can. I've got the contract right here. This is an agreement and I'm not screwing around. And it's and because of my divorce. I said, you can thank my ex-husband for the backbone I have now. Do not screw with me. Don't fuck with my realm. <laughs> Love Don't that. fuck with my realm. Get out of my realm. It, you know, I spent... You think you can do what I did? Like, that's what I say to people. You think you can do my job better than me? Have at it. Come, come try. Come shadow me for a week and take over my business and tell me how you would do it better. So I've learned, like, I make agreements with people. I am clear about the agreements. I spell them out. You know, I had a lunch with a friend, a very dear friend of mine. We're still dear friends. We're working on a project now. We went to brunch. And I said, I have this great idea for you for how you publish your books. And I won't spill the beans here, but... It's not an idea I saw anyone do before. I said, I think you could really go the distance with this. And she's like, oh, you, you, you ought to do it with me. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it with you. It's for you. This is an idea for you. Oh, but I think this would be so great if we did this together. No, you're not hearing me. I don't want to do this with you. It's for you. I'm not doing this project. It's a no. I have too much going on. Like, no. So then we have a phone conversation about a month later. And she says, so where are we with this book project? I'm like, am I... <laughs> I said, this happens to me. She goes, well, you may want to look at that. This happens to you. I said, no, 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 no. People project onto me what they want to see. And then they don't listen. I said to you three times, I wasn't going to do this. And now I'm saying it for a fourth time. Are we clear now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, listen to me when I say no to you. It's kind of like when women date, 
And they're like, well, he said he doesn't want anything serious, but I think I can get him to change his mind. No, no, you can't. No, like block him, go date someone else. Women, listen. So this is my whole thing. Like people don't listen. They don't read. And I was that person. wasn't listening. Yeah. We wasn't see what listening. we want to see, right? Which is actually a power that we could use for great right. magic. Yes, but- for magic. <laughs> you also have to see the dirt and not sweep it under the rug because then you're going to get an ant and roach problem. That's the thing. You get an ant and roach problem. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Ant and roach problem. <laughs> when you sweep it under the rugs. And I was sweeping it under the rugs. So now I maybe swang a little bit. Swang. Is that a word? Swung? Swang? Sure. But it was a quote from my dear friend Pamela Landers. But then, you know, I said it once and then my friend had the rock made and sent it to me. But I've had to kind of swing the other way. And I've learned that for me, because I am a naturally generous and giving person, that usually the harshest action is the most correct one for me right up front. I find that if I try to use the honey and the honey and the, and the, and the sticky stuff and try to sandwich things, people don't hear me. They just don't hear me. But if I just come out and I'm blunt about it a couple times, they hear me. So that's been the biggest lesson for me is that me being um, too sweet, too soft, to go with the flow backfires. And then I actually am much better served saying, here are my terms and conditions. What do you say? <laughs> like, I love that. So you know, your harshest yeah. actions are usually the most correct ones. And of course, it's what you're judging to be harsh, right? So for something that you judge to be harsh for you right. is the most you know, correct one. It's like often I tell people that are worried about bragging. It's like, if you're worried about it, you are not bragging. Because people that brag, they have no freaking clue. You no, know, they don't. People that are harsh, they don't think, oh, am I going to be too harsh? No, it's those of us that probably need to be more harsh. Well, that's exactly why I use that word because I don't, I don't have a value judgment on the word. I just know what my harsh is and that usually if it's come to that point, it's going to be the right thing to do. You know, in one of the, the books, I, one of a, a book, book I read, it's, it's called The Guillotine. You know, and we know how they use the guillotine in the French Revolution. It was off with their head. So it's not literally off with their head, but it's symbolically like, mm-mm, you're, at, you're, um, you're out of the realm. Like, you're not agreeing with the mission. You're sabotaging our efforts, or you're dragging the coaching group down, difficult client. You're dragging the team down, difficult, negative, um, pessimistic team member. And that doesn't work with our vision. So you'll have to go. I love it. I want to find like, the right community for you. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if our listeners are feeling the same, but I. I. I and I'm pretty assertive, but I love like your energy right now. And for those of you that are get to see the video, you know, like just the certainty and the groundedness that you have, it like makes me want to like rub up against you so I can get some of that, you know, like, you know, it's like, give me some of that. <laughs> now, you don't want to have to go through what I went through no, to get it. I don't right? want to. And that, that's what this show is about. No. It's like how many people are going to hear your story and be like, oh shit, I need to have conversations with this person and this person. And I need to, I need to stop sweeping shit under the rug because I'm going to get an ant roach problem. Like I, that's, that is the intention. Let's, let's shortcut, let's quantum leap, let's leapfrog all of the expressions, you know, let's learn from each other so that we can get on with what is our mission. So thank you for your candidness. And, and, you know, you had said, you know, sometimes I feel like I wasted a decade and then like on the next breath, you said, but I know that I, I'm doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And if I didn't have my own journey, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have done the research. So let's talk about the third shoe. We, we all have two legs. In this story, you have a third leg with the third shoe. 
So what is the third shoe that drops? So you have the divorce and you know marriage that you thought was wonderful. You have a business that you thought was humming with the perfect people. And now what, what then what happens? Oh, and then I find this lump in my right breast and I instantly knew, oh, this is because we were supposed to arbitrate and he went and got a lawyer behind my back. It was betrayal. That was the ultimate betrayal. It wasn't all the other stuff. It was that we sat in a room with an arbitrator and had it all mapped out. And then for whatever reason to this day, I do not know. I, I, he somehow made up some story, which I'm sure is inaccurate. Uh, he sicked a lawyer on me. And that was like, I was so blindsided. I didn't really get that that was happening. But I found the lump. I went for a mammogram. And they told me it was a cyst. And I've had lumpy breasts and I'm very sensitive to hormones and various dietary things. So I've dealt with lumps before and gotten rid of them using flax oil and eating lots of cabbage. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too, I just was like, oh, this lump is from the marriage thing and it'll go away. And they told me it was a cyst and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't get a biopsy. And then it kept growing and growing and growing. And the whole time I'm saying, oh, it's just a cyst. I mean, mind, mind you, it was this big. Oh my gosh. It got to the size of a tangerine. And it started coming out my skin. And at that moment, one day it started to bleed. And I was like, okay, I have a orange. It was the size of an orange. It moved past tangerine to orange. I have an orange-sized tumor in my chest. This is 2013, February. And I'm living in the marina in a different building. So it was a couple of streets over from where I am now. And I'm looking in the mirror and I say out loud, Beth Davis, you have breast cancer. No. Like I'm having this realization all on my own. No. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So I called the like breast clinic in Beverly Hills and they ended up being worthless. But anyway, I, you know, the best breast clinic, they were right. Looney Tune. But anyway, I went over there. They did the biopsy. Oh, you have breast cancer. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> They're like, well, here's our menu of services. We can radiate you and then take it out. We can take it out and put you on chemo and then radiate you. We could put you on the drugs first and see if it shrinks, which now in retrospect would have been the right thing, but I didn't know. I, I wish I'd gone on the drugs then, uh, but I didn't know. I did not know. So I blew it off and I'm like, now I'm gonna go holistic. So I went holistic and even the holistic doctors were like, it's too far gone. You gotta, you gotta, you're gonna lose that boob. You gotta like go give a mastectomy. Like we can't, you're gonna die of gangrene before you die of cancer. Like, so right before I did that, I did an ayahuasca journey. And in the ayahuasca journey, I thought, well, why don't I talk to John of God? He does psychic surgery. I hear about all these stories, John of God. So I imagine John of God as I'm sitting there meditating and in he comes and he's like, go to a surgeon. You live in LA. <laughs> Like you need a real, you like need a really good surgeon. Oh, shit. Get a cut off. <laughs> who's with a really precise knife? Like my dirty knife isn't gonna. No, no. Go to a sur. Okay. So I let it go a little bit longer, and then um, I just knew I had to have the surgery. And I remember the day before the surgery because my knees went out. I was so scared. Like somehow the fear had been delayed, and I, I don't know if I was afraid. I think I was afraid of obviously giving up my boob. That was traumatic, like losing a body part, but it was greater than that. It was kind of like all the fear I hadn't been feeling for a decade just washed through me. So I had the surgery and then a couple days later, you know, they took off the bandage and I couldn't look. So I had them take a picture and show me the picture. I couldn't look down and I saw it and I was surprised like, oh, hmm. Okay. Well, I'm still, I can move my arms. You know, I'm, I still have my brain and my nose isn't missing. So, okay. 
And so that was like the, that was the pound of flesh, if you will, for all those years of not having good boundaries. That's how I looked at it, that I had, it had cost me hugely overgiving to the ex-husband and not fighting him. And I, I'm almost certain, had I gotten angry and fought, that cyst would have stayed a cyst and gone away. But I uh, was in a chronic state of stress. I didn't finish the alimony until last spring, April of 2018. It was a seven-year divorce. Seven wow. years. Yeah, and our marriage started getting rocky in 2009. So we're talking really nine years all told. Then I had recurrences in and about the stitch sites, and then they took part of my back and tried to rebuild it, but then it, the cancer was still there. And Oh my God, like it's just been this saga. So I, in De December, I went in for my scans because I was having weird problems and I was really worried. Like I was having trouble breathing. Something wasn't right. And sure enough, the MRI and then the PET scan came back. And it's like, you have all these little tumors on the outside of your lung. The cancer has metastasized. I'm like, oh, that's stage four. That's, hmm, that's a problem. So finally... I'm laughing, like, finally, I'm like, maybe I should take this cancer thing a little more seriously. Like, really deal with it. Did you but know what? that you weren't dealing with it? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I knew that it could recur, and I'd had a couple surgeries from the recurrence, but the recurrence was on the stitches above the implant, so I didn't think it would really recur anywhere else. And there were slow-growing tumors, so by the time these kinds of tumors show up, They've usually been there for quite a while, you know, just spelunking along. So the doctor said, well, you know, the good news is you can go on this drug and the tumors will go away, or you can have your ovaries out and the tumors will go away. And I'm like, both of those options sound horrible, um, but okay, let me think about it. And then a friend said, you know, I know these healers and uh, they're kind of underground. And so that took me down the rabbit hole. This is January of this year. And uh, by within four weeks, my tumor marker had fallen into the normal range. I went back in March for my PET scan. Most of the tumors had shrunk by half and were showing very little metabolic activity. And my oncologist said, basically, the cancer's disintegrating. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, by the way? I said, oh, I'll tell you one day. So the lesson in all of that for me was... If I could go back in time, what would I have told that earlier self to do about her health? I would have told her, go get a thermography, get a biopsy, know what you're dealing with, and act accordingly. And at that point, the, the drugs they wanted to put me on would have worked just fine. But I didn't know that then. You know, I didn't know then what I know now. And I would have told my younger self to stand up and fight in that marriage because me paying alimony after raising his children, like, no, no. And those kids were not easy. They came with a lot of problems because their mother had a lot of problems. So, you know, and I don't even talk to them anymore. One of them I won't talk to by choice. She just was such a, a drain on my whole existence. But I didn't, I didn't know that then. I didn't know that then. So this research I have put together into a class and I've offered the class and, you know, over a hundred people signed up within a week for this class and I'm still getting orders every day for this class, basically showing people, you know, what to do if you're healthy to stay healthy. And then if you're not, things you can do to know whether or not, well, maybe you do need chemo. Maybe there's a clinical trial for what you have. There's, the science is so advanced now that chemo in another five years just won't be... Uh, it won't even exist because 
uh, it's maybe in really poor countries and stuff because what they're able to do now is take your own tumor cells and they put it through a series of tests and then they develop your own vaccine. You know, they develop your own immunotherapy and um, it's quite extraordinary what's happening. So, you know, I've been fortunate now to have these cutting edge therapies and, you know, my persistence has paid off. I have a fair number of scars for the privilege of doing this research. And yet, as I look back, I don't know that I could have done it any other way. I have scars for doing this research. Yeah. I look back, I could not have done it any other way. I don't know how I could have, because if I could have, I would have, right? And how many of us have scars, physical right. scars, emotional scars, right, right, right. can feel like damaged goods, can feel shamed, like, we, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I could have done it better. And, you know, I, my intention is that we can get to this place where we see the blessing, like, and not just in a giving it mouth service, but just like really fucking see the blessing so that we can get on with the next thing. Because there's always a next iteration, a next piece of our evolution, those of us that are mission-driven entrepreneurs, you know, uh, uh, you know, we talk about, we talked about how like everything that, you know, I know that everything I do in my life, everything I've gone through is meant to be shared. That That's the thing that actually gives me comfort. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome to share, you know, when I, you know, when things settle, you know, tomorrow or whenever. Yeah. I'm yeah. And uh, so uh, thank you for, the candor um, that you're sharing it with. And um, I don't know if, I uh, if I've shared this with you, but my mom is a breast cancer survivor. And she um, was diagnosed when I was a junior in high school. And I remember like distinctly, I was in the backyard tanning myself with one of those, you know, reflector things, <laughs> you know, we had in like, whatever the 80s. And, um, you know, and then I was inside and my dad was telling me that my mom was going to the hospital for a biopsy, no big deal. Right. And the next thing I knew it was, you know, cancer and chemo and mastectomy and all that. And so I actually, have, I actually, at some point decided that I was okay. Like these breasts, no big deal. Like I just, you know, like, like I almost like I implanted this idea when I was young, like, I love my breasts, but like big whoop, you know, if I need to lose a breast or two, you know, to be healthy, like I kind of decided or, or I guess change my relationship to my breasts when I saw, you know, my mom go through that. And, um, you know, and since, you know, since then now people are, you know, cutting off their breasts proactively and, you know, there's all these, these things happening, but to, to hear you share your story and to the metaphor of a pound of flesh and to really connect, really to connect it with, um, your, you know, your evolution, you know, and how it served you. And I've seen it with my mom, like, and I'm going to have her on the show. Uh, she's the most courageous, fucking awesome woman, you yeah, know, that great. I know. And she will tell you that cancer was one of the biggest blessings that happened to her. That's what she will tell you. Yeah, it's, it's really is. I mean, the thing about cancer, or any serious kind of illness or diagnosis is that for me, it wasn't about just cancer, like let's kill the cancer. <laughs> cancer is a symptom of a physical and emotional imbalance. Right? Anytime the body is diseased, there's an imbalance, and that imbalance can be some emotional trauma from when you were five, but it also could be because you're vitamin D deficient. This is the thing that that all disease is from imbalance, and now that I know that. 
there's many ways to figure out your imbalance that are inexpensive and correct it with stuff you can order at Amazon. And then you go get your blood work and they're like, oh my God, your, your body chemistry is perfect, right? Like my blood work comes back and they're like, oh my God, like there's no sign of cancer. The tumor markers are normal. I lowered my blood pressure. I was pre-diabetic from the stress. I've never been overweight, but I was pre-diabetic. Go figure. I had high blood pressure. I was pre-diabetic. My cortisol was out of control. I had all these problems, right? It was all stress. One of my rules now, too, is don't stress. People stress me out. We don't hang out anymore. I don't stress about my business. It's like it's supposed to be fun. It's not brain surgery. I see the degree to which people stress about business. I'm like, why don't you quit and go work at Starbucks? Like, relax. You're going to give yourself an illness. The cancer just said to me, you have an imbalance. And because of it, I also found out that I had a cyst in my liver. I had an ovarian cyst. I had fibroids in my uterus. And I had an infected tooth that was leaking into my chest and causing heart problems. You know, the majority of heart attack is from dental infection. I've learned that and it blows my mind. <laughs> because that little microbacteria is deadly. It's got like botulism, all these things. It inflames the heart. So sure enough, I had a tooth pulled in January, all while doing the cancer cleanse. I went, got thermography and it showed I had all this heat going up my head and down over my left breast. So I just had an ultrasound there because it was showing on the thermography, there was some kind of angiogenesis, which was, you know, veins going where they shouldn't be. And I had an ultrasound at the oncologist and he said, yeah, it's a cyst. It's a liquid filled cyst. I'm like, oh, it's from my tooth. And I showed my doctor the thermography and he went, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like, dude, this thermography has been approved by the FDA since the 70s. It's not radioactive and it's 100 times better than your mammogram. And you don't have it at this clinic, which is one of the top research clinics in the world for cancer. And he just looked at me. He's like, I know. I don't make the approvals on what tests we do or what equipment we have. I'm like, well, you should be able to say. That's just an abomination. Because thermography finds cancer five to eight years before you ever see it on a mammogram. These are things people should know. And if you go to a biodentist, they can do a CAT scan, a little bit of radiation, but then CAT scan in your mouth and tell you if you have infection. You know, all root canals are infected. The dental industry is trying to shut this down, but if you, why would you keep a dead tooth in your mouth? Why would you keep anything dead in your body? Makes no sense, just ongoing necrosis. So you're in a constant uh, immuno response. So a lot of Epstein-Barr patients, they get dirty mouths. You know, a lot of these people with chronic problems, they have an underlying root cause, as you, if you will. So the, the most amazing thing of healing the cancer was finding out I had all these other health problems that could kill me too. Well, the dental could kill me with a heart attack, but the, uh, the ovarian cyst in the, in the, in the um, fibroids can perforate the uterus. They can push out other organs. They can, be, they can bleed. They can be very problematic. So anyway, I went back for that test in March and the ovarian cyst was gone, liver cyst almost gone, had the tooth pulled, removed. It's all healed up now. And now this is the stuff I'm drinking that kills the nanobacteria. And <laughs> I actually could feel, if I put my hand here, I can feel the heat where the infection is. And I can feel the heat going down. That's how sensitive I've become to my body because it's cool on this side. Right. 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 So it's like the thermography shows the heat. And I put my wow. hand there and sure enough, you can feel where that little cyst is. So anyway, I could go on and on about medical details. But really what I would say to people is, you know, don't freak out about cancer. Like people just go berserk. 
Like this is the thing, most breast cancers overdiagnosed. If you have a tiny little thing, you don't need to chop your boob off. Like people go psycho and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I promise you that if you have cancer in your breast, you get about 15 other problems in your body. And you chop that boob off and you chemo it to kill the cancer, you still haven't solved the problem and you're going to get cancer or something else somewhere else. So that's the mission I'm on is like everyone needs to relax. It's, oh my God, cancer. It's like you'll live longer doing nothing than getting chemo in most instances. Did you know that? You'll live about twice as long. Yeah. Unless it's breast cancer, which is pretty easy to treat. Most of the other cancers, not so easy. And the actual longevity, they're not better at curing cancer. It's, It's been the same since the early turn of the 1900s. Same amount of people die. And, um, that's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. So I have this new mission yeah, tell me about the new mission. All of this has served that it's next chapter for you. Yeah, so the next chapter is to empower people to be their own healthcare advocate and to stop putting their power into the hands of other people for anything, for their finances, for their spirituality, for their health, for their health. You said stop putting, what'd you say? Your power. Your power. Your power into the hands of others. Just asking for trouble. I'm not saying don't listen to your doctor. But listen to five of them and then do your own research and then check in with your body and decide. See, most people won't listen to their inner guidance to make important health decisions. They're so afraid of death. They haven't grappled, actually. If you're afraid of death, you haven't done really any spiritual work, I'm sad to say. So that's the first part is you've got to deal with your death and deal with your loneliness and deal with your shit. And if you can really deal with your shit, then if you get a crappy diagnosis, you're like, huh. I face my own death, so this is just some symptom of a problem I'm having that I really need to get to the root of. And that's what surprised me so much is I really thought I had a year to live when I got this diagnosis. Like everyone was, all the doctors were giving me that look. And I started preparing all my paperwork and I was so pissed because I have this wonderful new partner and I'm thinking, man, I just met this guy and I'm going to croak. You got to be fucking kidding me. This is bullshit. I was so pissed. I was so angry. I wasn't sad. I was furious. I'm like, no. Oh, no. Mm-mm, no, we're not going out like this. I am taking this into my own hands. This is bullshit. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to get to the bottom of what is going on with my body because something's not right. And I'm not getting answers. Right? And so I did. And I found the answers. And now I have helped hundreds of people. They've come to me with cancer way less worse, than, some bet worse than mine, most less. And they're taking their health in their own hands and they're writing back to me. They're like, I'm getting better. Cancer's going away. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, without chopping off body parts and filling themselves with chemicals. And, you know, that's the mission I'm on really is empower yourself to um, heal, truly heal. Truly heal. Truly heal, which doesn't mean live in fear and like, oh, I have cancer. All right, like, just fill me with the chemicals. I'll do whatever you say. Because people that do that get cancer again because they never dealt with the issue. Yeah. And if you're always afraid of getting something again, it meant you never dealt with it in the first place, right? Yeah, you, know, you live in fear. Most people are going to die of heart attacks. Forget cancer. Most of the people listen to this, you're going to drop dead in about five years of heart attack. I hate to break it to people, but I see the shit people eat. I'm like, you're going to eat that? Oh, okay, well, we're going to be at your funeral in five years, so <laughs> enjoy it. I mean, I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm like, people but are like, like oh. you, know what? You, you get now to be harsh. Like, I do. Yeah do like like the get the our our, our guest from episode number one you know spent a, a you know about 1300 days in jail not knowing when she was going to get out now she teaches joy and when she right. tells that i need to like an attitude adjustment and whatever she said i was like i'm gonna listen to you you that's right 
So, so Beth, you have earned the right to say the things that you're saying, and not just the right. You have, er- you have earned the, the mechanism for which I am now going to hear you better. I'm going to listen to you with different ears. I am going to take what you say seriously because you fucking lived it. And I believe that you lived it to tell us, to tell me these things. Yeah, I did. I just, I just want, you know, I want especially Americans to just quit bullshitting themselves about the weight thing. I've told everyone this. There, there is no overweight that's healthy. It is a lie, so you can keep eating shit. I know it's hard to lose weight because it's easy to gain it, but it's really hard to lose it. But that's, that's one major, major component of this is that the majority of Americans are going to drop dead of a heart attack because they're overweight. And then they have subsequent problems, type 2 diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the very first thing is like that self-care of the body. You know, it's really, it's really important, really, really important. Yeah, so, so I guess it, it's the, here's the thing. I have great compassion for people's struggle, right? With whatever it is, overweight, cancer, diabetes, whatever, whatever they're dealing with. And most of what ails people is completely within their control. Now, I happen to be one of those rare people that has a genetic abnormality that contributed to the cancer. I do. And it's like 5% of the population, 5%. And so I have found ways naturally to mitigate that natural genetic abnormality, right? But the majority of people, 95% of us, don't even have really a genetic abnormality that would lead to these kinds of illnesses. And so at a certain point, it's like, what are you going to do about it? I see this with entrepreneurs, too. They don't, they're like, I haven't taken a vacation in seven years. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to be dead in two, so <laughs> you know, enjoy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't tell people that. So I meet people all the time, and I'm like, oh, they're going to be dead soon. Like, I just feel it. I'm like, oh, and then they die. You know, like, oh. Um, I know because I've been there. I'm like, I almost died too. So yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty intense thing just to like say to people like, suck it up. Like look in the mirror and like be honest with yourself. You drink too much. You're addicted to ho-hos, whatever it is. You know, like, you know, you got to own it. And, and get that, fucking real maybe, Beth? Yeah, yeah get fucking real. <laughs> right? Oh, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it is the truth. And it, yeah. this you know, this conversation is GFR in service of your health, which ultimately is in service of you doing the shit you're supposed to be doing while you're here, you know, on this earth during this lifetime, right? So, you know, and I had you look at the, our GFR commandments um, in preparation for this uh, call and uh, this interview. And number four. Or trust that your struggle serves your mission. And then the confession question, right? Because we're talking, I mean, everything you're saying is about look in the fucking mirror and get real about all, you know, the overweight, the what you're eating, all the things. And so here's the confession question. How will what I learn from this struggle serve me and my clients? How have past struggles served me? So um, it's just, a, you know, and, and there's, you know, many other of these that can be a roadmap to help people just unravel. Yeah. If they're ready, right? It's just, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, you could go on your merry way and continue to be, you know, partially conscious, you know, partially unconscious, however you want to do it. I'm not, I'm certainly not here a shining example of I've, you know, I have uh, never swept anything under the rug. Um, but I, you know, I know that that is a huge value of me and our members, our squad members have really raised their hand and said, you know, that's, you know, this is a lifestyle. It's just GFR thing. It's a lifestyle for me. I want to get to the bottom of it. So you're, um, it's, it's such a great 
conversation we're having. And if you don't have your copy of the, um, the GFR commandments, just go see the link in the show notes. Um, what is it, Beth, that you want to share about what you're doing to heal yourself? Because I know that there's going to, you know, there's, that's like sort of the big question. And, and we could just link to, you know, that, that class that you recently did if you want or however, whatever you want to share or not want to share. Um, I just want to give you the opportunity of what you think would be in highest service of this conversation. Yes. Well, I, I, I want to say to everyone watching, listening, please don't take yourself for granted. Please put yourself first and put your health first because without your health, you can do nothing. And this new year is costing me an extra five, six grand a month out of pocket. That doesn't even include my hospital bills. And I haven't even started paying those yet. Like that's a whole other. Um, it's very, very expensive to get better. It's very inexpensive to stay well. So that's what I would say about that. So if you're well or you're feeling good, make sure you're really well. Do those assessments, thermography, dental. Make sure you're tip-top. And if you're not, address any problems before they become more serious because chronic imbalances lead to serious illness most of the time. And that includes emotional imbalances like unhappy marriages and um, unfair divorces. They're, it's not good for you. <laughs> it's really not good for you. Bad for your health. <laughs> right? So, so really bad, for, truly bad for your health. I think the emotional component is the biggest component. Uh, so in my work, I've had my business 21 years and my, my real mission is life purpose mastery. And I, and I think honestly, what's kept me going and I, I have to say, I've not ever felt sick during this journey. Like, I don't get colds or flus. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I take so many darn vitamins. I mean, I, I just, so <laughs> you know, it's like, you, you have cancer and it's like, but your blood works great. You know, it's, it, but it's like, you have this genetic problem. We can fix that. We can correct that. Life Purpose Mastery. So it started out where I was really looking for my purpose. And a friend said, oh, you should get your palms red. And I blew her off, of course, but she kept saying to me, you know, you're not real happy in your work. You should get your palms read. Well, I got my palms read and it blew me away. And I thought, this is an amazing system. This is, this is not fortune telling. This is not woo woo. This is very practical. This is information I can actually use in my day-to-day -day life. So I set out to learn everything I could about scientific hand analysis. And I've been using this tool for 21 years. Uh, and I now teach people all over the world how to use it in my online school. Uh, and my goal is for people to understand their map, be able to translate their map, and live what's in the map. Because each of us have been given this beautiful blueprint to fulfill, to uh, live out. And I will say, in the course of my healing, I've come to understand this blueprint much more intimately than I think I ever had hoped to, what my life lesson or blind spot is really about, um, because it played out in my marriage, it played out in my finances, it played out in my health, and my life lesson is about victimizing myself, ready for this, by not honoring my feelings. Wow. That's in my hands. Victimizing oneself by being numbed out to one's feelings. Wow. Hello, poster child for denial right here. So I have learned if my life is going to work, I have to be very subtly attuned to my emotional frequency because it impacts others. 
That's why I kind of, I watch myself on interviews dial back, like, please, if you're feeling personally attacked, this isn't into anyone particular. I just get really emotional about um, people harming themselves and causing themselves suffering. Such a bitch. <laughs> it is. It really is a bitch. And I become so sensitive to my interactions with others. Like, here's a perfect example. We're having the interview. My partner walked in and I'm really sensitive to sound, right? And he was being quiet, but he was moving stuff around. So I said, can you pause the recording? And I turned to him and he got a little defensive, like, well, hey, I'm, I'm leaving in just a second. So I realized, oh, I'm going to have to talk to him later. Like, what was that about? Like, why are you getting defensive? I told you I had this interview. Like, what? Like, what was that about, right? That little, instead, there's so many other ways that interaction could have gone, like, oh, I'm sorry, right? That's the right response. Like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I would do, you know, like we, like, we know that. But, you know, he was in a hurry and felt caught off guard and whatever. We all, have our, we all have our thing. It's not a major thing. But I've learned that those are the little things, the little rocks in the shoe, if they don't get addressed or handled, can become like a big rock. So... That's what I learned from my own hands. And now I call hand analysis the ultimate coaching tool. I mostly teach coaches and other healers, people who are into helping others transform their lives and to do so efficiently. The people that come to me learn this system and then they're able to bring it to their clients. And as most people report, it's a very common quote, this has saved me 10 years of therapy or... I wish I had done this sooner. It would have saved me 10 years of therapy. <laughs> so, so yeah. So the knowing my own map and going through the cancer experience, which I'm still dealing with, I still have some pretty severe symptoms and, you know, it's probably going to take another year, year and a half for it to be totally resolved. And, you know, I'm just, I'm surrendered to that, that process now. The cancer asked of me to go deeper into my own design, into my own path. And as such, I feel I, like you said, I have the right to kind of rant at a new level. And I find with my clients that I am now simultaneously much more compassionate to whatever they're struggling with because I personally know how hard life can be sometimes and how much we can suffer. And also how I'm not messing around. I'm not fucking around. Like I'm not messing around. Like I'm going to be blunt with them. I'm going to be straight with them and ask them like, what do you really want? What do you really want to achieve? You know, what's in the way? And um, why are you delaying your happiness? Why are you putting off what it is you say that you want? And I, I think all of this um, huge change in my life has helped me to be able to move between these paradoxical states and hold paradox much more easily. I, I, uh, I can be black and white sometimes, and yet I have found I'm much more able to live in the gray and hold different points of view and just let people have their journey without my opinion or input. Beautiful. So I've become more in control of my own life and less interested in controlling anyone else's. Oh. I, don't need, I don't need other people to change so I have a safe space. You know what I'm saying? I people do. Like, this isn't a safe space. I'm like, no, you're not safe with yourself. You know, I could be in a room with... 10, 10 Bundys, as long as there's some security guards, I'm really not too worried about it. They're not going to haul me off to the van. The safe space is within. The safe space is within. It's within. And uh, we're responsible for our feelings. And so that's really my big old message to everyone is you don't like something in your life, take responsibility for your feelings around it and change things so you have a good feeling. 
because it's we're really living for the good feeling that's really all anyone wants is that right good love feeling good work feeling good friendship feeling feeling good in your body feeling good in your office chair feeling good with your hair like feeling good i think that's a perfect way to end that is really what life is about feeling good so do whatever you need to do to feel good that's right Thank you, Beth Davis. Thank you for walking your path and talking to us about it and being so candid and being so real and recognizing that it is in service to others so that you jump on opportunities like this to share it. I, I love you for it. Oh, thank you. I've loved being here. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm so glad you're still here with us. What a juicy episode. And I, for one, uh, got it between the eyes a couple times <laughs> during her talk. And I just, I believe, I believe in this straight talk, y'all. So I hope it landed for you in the way that it was intended to land for you, which is ultimately, if it's your time to hear her words and to make changes, then we are on mission here at GFR. The commandment, the GFR commandment that she picked, that she said really speaks to her, is number four, which is trust that your struggle serves. Trust that your struggle serves. If you have not gotten your copy of the 12 GFR commandments, grab that from the link in the show notes. Remember, the idea is not to do all 12 or to do all 12 in order or anything like that. The idea is to read them and see which one really lands for you. That is the one that you should be paying most attention to. Also, Beth shared that she has this awesome course for hand analysis for people that want the basics that said a super deal. And that also, that links in our show notes. And then finally, the last thing I want to share with you is the topic of the bonus exclusive training for our GFR squad. So if you're a squad member, this is what you have to look forward to. Two segments. One is what is hand analysis and how does it connect with your life purpose? really cool, fascinating shit. <laughs> it really is. And then the other segment that she shares is what she did to heal herself from cancer. That might be a little bit interesting to you. <laughs> she shares exactly what she did, the exact tests that she took, and even shares a link to get started on your journey. And her whole belief is that if we have that baseline of what's going on in our body, then we know when things change and we can do something about it. She says it's a lot cheaper to stay healthy than to heal yourself. <laughs> so those of you that are motivated by money, uh, you definitely want to check that out. If you are not a GFR squad member, you can check that out with the link um, in our show notes. And what I most want you to know is that it's only 20 bucks and you get to participate in our GFR squad quad, which is our Facebook group. You get access to the bonus content and lots of other goodies. So go check it out. Hope to see you over there. And that's all for now. See you next time.